Welcome back to Clydesdale Media, where we bring you the best from the world of CrossFit. Podcasts, news, special interest, health, fitness. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button. Hit the notifier so you're the first to know when we have new episodes. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Clydesdale Media Podcast. My name is Scott Schweitzer. I am the Clydesdale, and I have with me a very special friend, Julie Fouché, Dr. Julie Fouché. How are you, Julie? Hi, Scott. I'm great. It's so, so great to be back on here with you. Yeah, as always, it's always a joy to get to talk to you. Uh, we talk about all the time. You were my first level one coach, um, yeah. and you did that in a boot and still were amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes, that was a fun time in life and um, always great. I think that was in Columbus at Rogue, right? It was. So the first thing I wanted to talk to you about is last time we had you on, uh, I think you were just coming out of your chrysalis. Out of my what? Chrysalis. You're going to have to help me with that one. <laughs> so the cocoon. The, okay. um turning into the butterfly that you are today. Oh, yes. That's, I love that you said that. That's very, um, that's very nice. I think that's probably true. And we talked about that process, how you took some time, uh, dove into learning more about yourself and you're now a much happier Julie Fouché today. That is definitely true. <laughs> I just keep getting happier by the day, I think. So now that there's this newfound um, identity, um, really getting to know yourself, um, what has that meant for your life from that point forward? Because we haven't talked in like a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Has it really been that long? Wow. <laughs> no, I think May of last year. Yeah, that's crazy. Gosh. Um, well, it's just, you, you say coming out of the chrysalis, I think is a, is a good way to put it, but the work really never ends. So it's always this constant process of learning and growth that we are going through in life. And I think that's continued for me. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm extremely happy with where I am. And like I said, I, be, I be get happier every day as I continue to learn and grow. And, and I think for me, I've just been much more clear on who I am, the important relationships in my life, um, being much more comfortable, you know, being myself and, and speaking my truth and not worrying too much about what other people's reactions are. Um, you know, obviously I have my, my close circle of, of friends and people that I, I take their feedback and, and input very seriously because they know me the best, but, um, but yeah, so it's been a, a continual process of learning growth and, and, you know, I can share, more about that if you want, but, but that's pretty much where I'm at. So, and, and I've been, on, I was on your podcast, like the same time you were on ours mm -hmm. and I'd gone through something similar. Mm -hmm. Now that you have this new perspective, do you look at a lot of things now with more of like a child's eye? Hmm. That's a great question. I try to, I try to be more curious uh, about things and, um, you know, I definitely have a lot more gratitude and appreciation for the small things than before. I think before I was a lot more just, which I still am very driven and focused, but I, I do spend a lot of time, a lot more time, um, just appreciating the small things and taking care of myself, things like that. So at the games, there was a video, we, we, the women mm -hmm. that you took part in, um, I've watched two versions. Uh, there's the the mashup of kind of everybody. Mm -hmm. And then there's one that's just yours. It's about three and a half, four minutes long. In that video, um, you, you talk about a lot of things and we'll get into that in a second. Does that depict a lot of the journey that you just went through? I think it's a highlight reel. I think it's maybe a, a soundbite, but there's so much more to it as everybody you know, all of us on our own journeys can, re can relate to, I think, you know, in that video, I talked a lot about this, um, sort of freeing myself from this internal monologue of you're not enough, which I think 
as humans, we probably all have to overcome in some way in our lives because of, you know, whatever it is that has told us that we're not enough, um, whether it's, you know, something in our childhood or the way that, you know, social media impacts us or experiences that we've had that, that impact us subconsciously, even as we're, we're growing up. And so for me, I was becoming aware of that, learning how to, you know, not be so hard on myself and really, you know, love myself, appreciate all the great things about myself. And, and for much of my life, I had been very driven and focused, but had also been really my own worst critic. So my, you know, if you could hear the internal monologue of many of my thoughts, they weren't very nice. Um, I was always probably much harder on myself than anyone else was. And, and I felt like that was necessary to help me be successful because it had worked for so long. And what I've realized over the last couple of years is that, you know, I want to be purposeful in the world and I want to, you know, really fully utilize my gifts. I don't want to be complacent, but I also, you know, need to change the way that I was, or I wanted to change the way that I was talking to myself because it was having a negative impact on my thoughts and my emotions, my experience. And so um, that's been a lot of the work I've been doing over the last couple of years is, is what you might refer to as thought work, um, a lot of meditation, um, a lot of, you know, journaling, other practices that have helped me become more aware of those thoughts and, and shift into more of a, you know, positive, loving, accepting, graceful sort of state with myself. It's funny you talk about it that way. I just started a show a few weeks ago with Phil Mansfield on mindset. Mm-hmm. And our last episode, uh, last week's episode was self-talk. And yes. the statistic is that we have, we speak a thousand words to ourselves every 10 minutes. Oh, I believe so that. we are our biggest influence on ourselves. Our brains are just constantly going. They never want to turn off. <laughs> and so you, you say something in the video about that being humble doesn't mean beating myself up. Mm-hmm. And maybe I paraphrase that a bit, uh, but, but I get that. I understand what you were saying there. I felt it because mm-hmm. I've gone through the same thing myself. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to a lot of athletes on this show that when you talk about different things, they really beat themselves up for small mistakes yeah. um, in an event. And is, is that a natural thing for athletes or just humans in general? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's a great question. I think that it is a, a, te- a natural tendency. I think we, we just tend to, for some reason, focus on the negative or be overly hard on ourselves. And, you know, I think there's a balance. It's not like, I don't necessarily think the right approach is to just always say good job and not pay attention when we, we could do better. I think that the way that we improve is by being honest and really seeing the truth of what happened and learning from it. You know, I think there's also a lot of learning and feeling feeling pain. Like when we make a mistake, like when you're a kid and you accidentally touch the stove and it hurts, that's so you learn and you don't do it again. And I think the same thing happens to us as adults, as we go through difficult situations, you know, maybe you, um, you know, in an event, you're thinking about cross the CrossFit games, maybe you, you know, you mess up an event because you weren't prepared for it. I'm trying to think of like what the handstand pushup um, med ball event that I really blew in large part was because I hadn't practiced deficit handstand pushups on parallettes before. And that was really painful for me to go through because I was doing so well in the competition. And now suddenly I'm finding myself falling down the leaderboard. And um, that, that pain is a good thing because it's a teacher and it, it taught me, okay, I need to start practicing and being more prepared for these different variations that can come up. And I went, um, and sought out finding a gymnastics coach. And that's how I ended up finding Dominique Muciano and her husband, Mike, and working with them and becoming much more well-rounded in gymnastics. So it ended up making me a more well-rounded athlete in the moment. Um, so that pain I think is, is helpful, but if I were to just you know, continue to beat myself up and, and, and just say like, oh my gosh, you're so take it overboard. Like where the the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Like, like Julie, you're an idiot or you're stupid. How could you have missed this? Like language like that, that isn't necessarily helpful, but just accepting the truth of where, where I was, um, feeling the pain, learning from it and moving forward is, is healthy. Um, I think that it can become 
much less healthy when we start, you know, catastrophizing or, or, or being much more negative than, than the truth um, really needs, I guess. So my last question about this in this more like analysis that because the overall video is very positive because mm -hmm. you've overcome a lot of this mm -hmm. and it was saying that you are stronger than, than all of these other things. But you talk about in moments uh, where people would give you accolades that you would shrink in the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was such a big realization for me a couple of years ago. I've always valued. I thought, I thought what I valued was humility and it, I would always be really put off when other people were, you know, bragging about themselves or being overly, um, sort of cocky. And I, I thought I really valued humility. And what I really thought that was, was, was shrinking when people congratulated you, like, congratulations, Julie, you did a great job at the CrossFit Games this year. And I would, you know, I, I wasn't able to really um, accept that as a compliment and say, yeah, I did a good job. And I was always saying, well, it's because of, you know, the team or this opportunity or the timing of the way things worked out that I was just lucky. And, and so, yes, all those things are true. And I could never do have done any of the things I did in CrossFit without the great team around me and without the hard work that I put in. But I certainly do have, you know, a genetic predisposition that allowed me to be there. Um, and I think, you know, it, there's, um, but there, there was, I had a really hard time accepting compliments or like accepting ownership of when I did something well. And what I've realized is that I thought humility was just shrinking whenever someone gave you a compliment saying, you know, putting it off on someone else saying, like, oh no, I didn't really do that good of a job, but actually, you know, real humility is in accepting those compliments and being proud of what you can do, but just giving all the glory to, you know, your creator for me, God, and, and saying that, yes, I'm so grateful that, you know, he gave me these gifts and I'm able to express them. And yes, I, you know, I made the decision to put in the hard work, but it's a lot more than just that, that, that helped me to get there. Yeah, I have, I still have a hard time with that today. Um, when I was at the games this year and people were complimenting me, I, I shrunk, I, and even like self-deprecating humor about it. Yeah. Humor is a big, so I'm not, it's not my go-to cause I guess I'm not as, as skilled in that area, but, um, but I, I know that's a really common mechanism that people will use to deflect compliments and things like that, but it's a com it's really common. Um, I think a lot of people just get uncomfortable with attention or accepting that for me, a big part of this process was not only accepting, you know, the compliments or accepting and being proud of what I've done or what I can do, but also being able to accept help. I think that there's this other really big resistance that so many of us have to accepting help from other people. Um, and that's humility too, right? Is saying like, okay, maybe I can't do this on my own. Or maybe it's not the best idea to do this all on my own. And I can rely on other people. Um, that really opened a lot of doors for me the first time I started asking for help and accepting help because for so long I had been very much of the mindset, like I've got this, I'll figure it out. I can do this on my own. I don't want to bother anybody else. That's so common that I hear. Um, but we're made to be we're made to be in community we're made like what life is really all about is our connections and relationships with other people. And so it is, you know, being able to accept help from someone is not only a gift to you, it's a gift to them because as we give and receive, that's how we're in relationship and how we're able to find fulfillment in life. So um, that has been another really big, big thing for me as well. Yeah. That was a game changer for me. A pastor told me that when you don't accept help, you are denying a gift to somebody else yeah. who wants to give you that help. Absolutely. And uh, that was a game changer for me. Absolutely. For yeah. sure. So speaking of that, um, you had just been baptized when we talked last. Mm -hmm. How much comfortable are you in your faith today as you were 18 months ago? Well, more and more every day. <laughs> I think it's... Uh... Yeah it's a constant, like I said, it's this constant process of growth, growth. You, you know, I've been so amazed, you know, since 
making that decision to be baptized again, just, I think when your eyes are open to see the ways that God is working in your life, you, you know, it's mind blowing um, when you're actually able to see it. And, and the ways that I've been able to grow have been just, just incredible. And so it's, it's always a process though. It's different layers. Like you think, okay, I've really improved here. And, and then something happens and you see, wow, I've got a long way to go or, you realize there's just more layers to peel back. So for me, so much of that and and really the foundation of that has been rooted in in just developing the real faith and trust, which it's one thing to say that you have faith and that you trust God with your life, but then it's another thing to put it into to to really trust, you know, to when things happen that don't make sense or that are, you know that make your life more difficult, like something that isn't going your way to be able in that moment to really step back and just say, okay, like this is the way it's not, it's not my plan. It's God's plan. And this is in some way going to help me um, instead of getting frustrated or being afraid of what might happen in the future or thinking back to what happened in the past and being upset with how things went. So that's been, I think, a really big part of it for me is just, um, you know, doing my part, but then being able to fully trust and surrender into what God's plan is for me. Do you ever look in hindsight or the past and and say, ooh, that's where God had his hand in this and and can see things differently now than you did in the moment? Oh, definitely. Um, definitely. Um, I mean, so many things earlier in life, you're saying like, like before I was, before I started going through this whole process. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. sure. And I think, you know, some of them you suspect, but I don't know if any of us ever really will fully understand how all the dots connect until, um, you know, until the ends of our lives. But um, but I, you know, there are certain things that you just have this intuition or this feeling about that there was a reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, what tools do you use today to keep growing in your faith? Mm, that's a great question. So for me, church is really important. I, I, I belong to a church here in, in Lexington, but I, myself and my significant other Lincoln and Will, the boy that we take care of, we typically watch church together online every Sunday. And we, um, we, we follow different pastors. So we try to, we try to mix it up, but we have some of our favorites. So that's always really important, just watching together and being able to talk about it together. Um, and then I start every morning. I really love, um, the Jesus calling devotional. That's been my favorite, even, you know, for years, I think I've, someone first gave it to me in 2012 And I didn't always read it every day, but for the last couple of years, I read it every morning and always seems to be exactly what I need to hear. So that, that helps me get centered for the day. And then, um, reading the Bible in some form, um, in the morning. And, uh, I've also really lately been enjoying the Bible project videos. So if anyone's not familiar with that, it's an incredible, um, group that is all based off of fundraising, but they have these incredible illustrated videos, of the Bible. They're all just a couple minutes long, but it gives you great perspective, especially as you're going through. And I, this was a big thing. I, I finally, I guess it was last year towards the end of last, about a year ago that I actually finished reading the Bible cover to cover for the first time in my life. So that was a really cool milestone. Um, um, and then, and then for me, it's really about the people in my life and the relationships I have. So I really surround myself with other people who are very, um, um, I guess who really live their faith. And so, you know, in the friendships that I keep in the conversations that I have, um, they're always able to support me and challenge me in different ways as we're going through life. So that's been really, really big for me as well. So, yeah, I, um, I did the same thing. I read the Bible cover cover three years ago, maybe. That's awesome. Um, And then I did it a second time and it, it spoke to me differently the second time I did it than it did the first. Yeah. And then the other thing is the Bible project. We use that as a Bible study mm, lesson where we would watch an episode and then have a discussion about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are awesome. They're the really illustrations awesome. are amazing. So amazing. Yeah. 
Um, especially as you're going through the Bible, like, you know, I'd read it in bits and pieces there, but going through it for the first time, like cover to cover, you know, sometimes like you, you, you read it and you're like, what's going on? And then you watch the video and you're like, oh, now I can, you know, you can track a little bit better because you're primed for it. Um, so that's been great. And it's something I'm actually, I'm really have been searching and praying about finding a small group of people to be able to, you know, study with. Um, we actually have, so at CrossFit Maximus here in Lexington, they do a women's group once a month, which I've been to a couple of times, but the challenge for me is I've been traveling a lot. And so it's hard for me to attend consistently at an in-person group. So that's something I'm looking for is, um, you know, just being able to find a consistent small group of, of people. I would really love to be in a group of women, just at different stages in life to be able to learn from. Yeah. Small groups are amazing. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend them. Um, you mentioned Lincoln and Will. Mm -hmm. um, they're in my notes. So Lincoln <laughs> is your significant other. Um, and you went public with that. Gosh, it's probably a year ago now, maybe. I think I did a social media post in... Oh, I think it was in Jan, just after the new year, probably. So not quite a year. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then Will, you brought with you to the CrossFit Games this year. I did. Yes. We had so much fun. So I'm filling in some holes for myself now. <laughs> I know Lincoln had done some um, work in other countries helping people in need. Mm -hmm. Is that how he met Will? Or is it a well, different way? There's a different way. So, okay. Um, so Lincoln had, he had done work in other countries. So he has a strong tie to Haiti. He had done mission work there and been there many times. And I think what it, what it primed him for was, you know, when he went there, he just, he loved being around the children. And even though they couldn't necessarily communicate and speak the same language, he just loved being around them, being able to help them. And so a few years ago, it was Christmas time. And I think he, he just had had a hard Christmas. It wasn't, didn't feel like Christmas to him with everything that was going on with his family. And so he reached out on Facebook. He rarely posts on Facebook, but he just said, does anyone know a family in need that needs Christmas gifts? And so he ended up hearing back from a, you know, a friend of a friend or something that, um, that was a teacher at a middle school. And she said, yes, there's this family that just moved here from Tanzania and they don't have anything and they could really use some gifts. So he brought over gifts for them on Christmas and it was Will. He has two little sisters and his mom and they were living in a, you know, a basement apartment, um, really minimal, didn't have any windows, didn't have a yard or anything and didn't really have much um, in the way of belongings. And I guess when he went, um, Will, who at the time was just 11, just gave him the biggest hug and wouldn't let go. And because of all Lincoln's work in Haiti, he said, even though we couldn't communicate, he just knew this kid had a really special heart and he knew he couldn't just leave him there with the gifts and never see him again. So he started spending time with Will and their family. And he traveled a lot at the time. He still does, but he would when he was home, he would take him out to do stuff, take him to the trampoline park or, you know, take him to, to the store or just to do fun things around town. And when he was out of town, he then started a Facebook group so that some of his other friends could help out. So while he was gone, you know, a friend would take them to the, to the library or take them on a boat in the summer. And so he really just started developing this community around Will and his family to help them out. You know, if they needed things, people would chip in which was really beautiful um, and just so natural and organic. It wasn't through any, any organization. It was just very, um, very natural and real. And a co and then in 2020, Lincoln and his friend Joe decided to buy a house for Will and his family. So they, um, they actually told Will that it was going to be his first job to help renovate this house. And he and actually another guy who goes to CrossFit Maximus um, who does contract work worked with him and he would go after school and work on this house. And, and then um, eventually actually it was around Christmas time in 2020, Lincoln took Will and his family to the house and, and pretended like he was going to show it to someone who was interested in buying it. And so Will had to show them all around the house and show them all the work that he did. And then, then at the end, Lincoln sat him down and told him that actually the house was for him and for his family. And so they, you know, 
have just, they were able to just move into such a better environment. They now have a yard, they have their own bedrooms. Like his mom has her own room with a bath and um, a kitchen and, and it's really transformed their lives and their opportunities. And, and we've just really continued to support Will and his family. Um, and the, the relationship between them is, is beautiful. Like he truly is, you know, like Will's father and also like his brother and his best friend. And, just being able to see the impact that Lincoln's had on his life, just from, you know, the interactions, just giving him some love, some stability, some, a lot of positive reinforcement, a lot of hope, also some tough love, pushing him, helping him develop discipline, helping him understand that he has to work a lot harder than most other kids because he's starting off at a disadvantage and, you know, having to learn English and learn to read at a, at an older age isn't easy, but it's been really beautiful for me to, to come into that, relationship and witness just how how beautiful their relationship is and also be able to support will in the ways that i can um and so yeah that's how that all came about and we got to you know got to take will or i got to take will to the crossfit games which has been which was super fun he um he's been going to crossfit maximus really consistently now for almost two years and he goes before school every day early like the 5 30 or 6 30 a.m class and he's just gotten so much stronger and he's a natural athlete i mean he's super fit and he moves really well um and so it's been cool to see him evolve in CrossFit and also, um, be able to take him to the CrossFit games and show him what that was all about. And, and he also went to, um, fire foraging youth resilience camp this summer, which is a, a CrossFit style camp, uh, leadership camp for, um, for at-risk youth. So he had a great experience there and, um, it's just been cool to see him learn more and grow up in the CrossFit community. Yeah, that's awesome. And when I bumped into you at the Coliseum, you both had big smiles on your face. <laughs> um, you look like you were having a blast. So I know in 2021, you were there kind of in a working capacity, doing a lot mm -hmm. of seminars for mm -hmm. CrossFit Health. Was this year a little more laid back for you? Yes, this year was the most laid back CrossFit Games I have ever had. And it was a blast. Um, I had very few things that were planned. Um, I we, we did some events for Wild Health offsite. So we had some... Um, we had a booth and a, we did a, a workout at CrossFit Connects, which is in Madison. Um, but otherwise, I was just there really hanging out, catching up with people, being able to see people I haven't seen in a long time and show Will around, which was a blast. Are you still connected with CrossFit Health? Um, I am in terms of I'm a you know a big fan and supporter and not in an official capacity. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm excited to see where it's going and all the ways that it's growing. Yeah. And I guess that's a good segue into wild health. Um, so CrossFit started CrossFit health to try to get more functional medicine out into the world. Um, wild health is, is an entity that's doing that today. Mm -hmm. So can you give us a brief description? Cause you are a doctor for wild health. I am. Yeah. So can you give us a brief description on what that is? Sure. So wild health is a precision medicine platform. So what that means is that we look at each patient that we treat as an individual, and we want to look at all of the data that we have about you, whether that's, you know, your labs, your current symptoms, any biomarkers, biometrics that we have about you, like your blood pressure or your body composition, any wearable data that you might have, if you use a sleep tracker um, or a continuous glucose monitor, your DNA, your current lifestyle, you know, what your goals are, what your current lifestyle habits are like, your past medical history. We take every data point into account and come up with a plan that's really personalized to you. So we know that everybody's different. Um, and what, what might be happening in you is maybe different than what's happening in the next person. And so we want to use all the information we have at our fingertips to make sure that we're delivering care that's specific to you. And then we really, we really operate off of end of one experiment. So, you know, just like we're, we're very data driven, just like in CrossFit, we track our workouts and we look at where our weaknesses and we try to attack our weaknesses. We do the same thing looking your overall health and looking at all of your health markers. And if there's something that's off, we want to try to improve it. And 
you know, we'll try an intervention and then we'll retest and we'll see if it's working. If not, then we go back to the drawing board. So I'm going to be completely transparent. I am very interested into moving into this type of physician. So I'm going to ask questions as a consumer perfect. and yeah. hopefully that will answer questions for the audience. That's perfect. I love that. So I read on your website that you do genetic testing mm -hmm. to look at, to look at predispositions, things like that. That seems very simple. You send an at-home kit to the consumer and mm -hmm. they, they put saliva in a bottle and send it back to you. That's right. Yep. So when you sign up with us as a patient, we're all tell, we're all virtual. So we, all, we see patients only through video and we're available in all 50 states. And the first thing you'll do is get um, a DNA kit in the mail. Like you said, it's just a tube that you spit in and then you send it back. And then you'll also get a lab requisition and you just take that to LabCorp to your local lab to get your labs drawn. Um, and then we'll send you a bunch of questionnaires so we can learn everything about your history and what your goals are. So with the labs, I know like you as a, an entity don't take insurance. There's a membership fee, mm -hmm. but if I, can I use it to get my labs done? So that's a great question. So correct. We don't take insurance in most States. We actually just started accepting it in Kentucky. Um, but well, and hopefully in the near future, we'll be accepting it in more States. Um, but for right now, it's mostly just out of pocket for the membership. For the labs, um, you can bill your insurance if you want, or you can submit it to your insurance. The caveat is that most most of the time, it's going to cost you a lot more money that way because it will. if you bill through insurance, labs usually cost a lot more than if you just pay cash. So for example, if I get a CBC, a complete bug count, and you pay cash for it, it's going to be a couple bucks. If you bill your insurance, they're probably going to charge you like, I don't know the exact number, but on the order of like 50 or $100. And if you have a deductible to pay down first, then that's a lot more money coming out of your pocket. So it really depends on the person and their situation with their insurance. But we find in general, for most people, it's cheaper to just pay the out-of-pocket costs for those. So, and feel free to not answer any of these if you, you wish. <laughs> I don't know. I won't. I won't. La la last time we talked... We, we talked about how medicine is in a bad place in this country. Okay. Are insurance companies a big part of that? And that's why, that's why like it's cheaper to not go through insurance. Well, I do think that the insurance model, you know, in general things, things operate and things go where the money goes and the insurance model um, isn't set up well in order to be able to, I think is not set up well in order to be able to give the best quality care. And that's why, you know, people are going outside of insurance for different options like this. So there's a big movement called direct primary care, primary care doctors who are doing a low overhead practice, you know, putting up their shingle and, and having patients pay a membership fee, pay cash, which is, which is what we're doing just on a larger scale through telemedicine. Um, and a lot of patients, find that it's actually cheaper for them and um, they're getting a lot better care because of the way that doctors are reimbursed through insurance. You're reimbursed based on the number of visits that you do. And so that often forces people to have to do very short visits to squeeze more in, in order to keep their doors open. Um, some of that's changing. And, you know, I think people know this is a big problem. Some of that's changing that even the, the way that visits are billed has changed recently. Um, you can bill visits more, more frequently based on time, but, um, but it's a, you know, it's a slow moving system to, to change. Yeah. I, I know when I was having my back procedures, the doctor couldn't do the procedure the way he wanted. He had to do it the way the insurance company said he had to do it. Yeah. Which slowed down the process by probably six months for me. Mm -hmm. It is often very frustrating for, for patients and for doctors because, you know, the, the insurance companies often have certain ways, orders of treatment of things. You have to try this first. And if you don't do well on that, then try this. And if you don't do well on that, then before they'll approve and pay for things. And, you know, everybody's, like I said, everybody's situation is unique. So we don't all follow the same formula in terms of how our bodies respond and, and what we need. 
So it is very limiting and frustrating, as, I think, as a doctor to, you know, to want to give your patient a certain treatment and then the insurance company to say, sorry, we can't reimburse that because you have to try X, Y, and Z first, even though, you know, based on the person sitting in front of us, we don't have a high degree of likelihood that that's going to be the best course of action for them. So my last insurance question, and then we'll go back to other stuff. <laughs> I'm, no I'm skipping way ahead for this too. So <laughs> prescriptions, um, you can prescribe medicine from mm -hmm. Wild Health. Um, there are certain things you do not prescribe. I read that on the website. But can insurance cover the prescriptions? Because those aren't done on a cheap basis by... Um, yes, Absolutely. We'll cover those. We can prescribe them um, well through, through your insurance provider and your pharmacy. Um, and yes, the prescriptions that we don't prescribe were limited because we are a telemedicine company across 50 states. So we don't do any controlled substances because those have a lot of different regulations state by state. Um, and so it's just not feasible for us to, to be able to do that. And, and a lot of them require in-person visits um, for monitoring. So, so those we don't do. But, um, but otherwise, yes, you can use your insurance for prescriptions. And something people don't often know about, too, is a lot of prescriptions are really cheap to pay cash for, too. Not all of them, but some of the, like, the really common, the more common ones. Um, there's a great website called GoodRx that has coupons. You just print them out and take them to your pharmacy. And oftentimes those are pretty cheap, too. Um, the next thing is it's tele telehealth. So how, when I go to the doctor now, they take my blood pressure, they take my blood oxygen, all that stuff. How do you do that via telehealth? Yes. So we do have to rely more on you as the patient for some of that information. So we do it in a few different ways. One, if, if you're someone that we're just screening blood pressure on, and we want to make sure we check it once a year, if you've been to any other doctor's office or, you go to, you know, your local pharmacy and can check your blood pressure there. That works. Um, if you're someone who maybe we want to monitor blood pressure more frequently, we would recommend you get a blood pressure cuff so you can measure that at home. And that's how we'll keep tabs on it. Um, the other information is all self-reported. And if there's something going on, like you're having difficulty breathing or we think you might have pneumonia, then we're going to we're going to send you for an in-person evaluation so that we can have someone listen to your lungs so that we can have them check your oxygen, things like that. Um, so we certainly know there's, there are limitations to telemedicine. We can't handle everything through video, but we can be creative with a lot of it. Okay. And the initial visit is 60 minutes. The initial visit is 60 minutes. Yes. And our follow-up visits are 30 minutes. That's way longer than I see my doctor today. <laughs> It is in most places. Yes. Um, and that is to get a complete like rundown and try to solve the problem mm -hmm. in other ways or be more creative. Yeah. So in that initial visit, that 60 minutes, you, by that point, you've had your DNA done, your labs done, you've submitted all your questionnaires, you've met with your health coach once to clarify, you know, what your goals are. And then that initial visit is with you as the patient, your doctor and your health coach. And we go through a very extensive 50 page report that brings all this information in and provides personalized recommendations for you in a number of different areas. So we cover things like nutrition, exercise, sleep, neurobehavioral, just things like mood and mindfulness. We look at chronic disease prevention. So things like heart disease, Alzheimer's, inflammation, insulin resistance. We can look at microbiome if that's relevant for you. Um, and then longevity, which is, you know, things like cancer risk as well. And so we'll, we have that report as our guideline. It's really long and extensive, but based on what your goals are, your situation, your current medical conditions, your current symptoms, we'll hone in on the parts that are most important. And we'll use that as our guide to come up with a plan. And usually the plan is a few action items and a few outcomes that we're going to track to see if we're moving in the right direction. And that's what we walk away with from the end of that visit. And then you will meet and work with your health coach more closely and more frequently to implement that plan. And then we'll retest. So say we're going to retest a few labs, you know, a month or two down the road, we'll retest those labs and then we'll keep iterating on that plan, continuing to improve and optimize your health over time. And you get a personalized health plan, uh, which includes diet and other issues. Uh, what does that look like? 
Well, it it's, looks different for every person. So it could be anything from, you know, adjusting the quality of foods that you're eating, maybe trying an elimination diet with certain foods. It could be honing in on quantity of food, if that's something that's relevant for you. It would be looking at a lot of micronutrients. So if there's some that you're low in, we may suggest increasing certain foods to boost those micronutrients or adding supplements if you're not, um, not able to get those in a food form. Um, we look at something called methylation, which is a really important process um, for the body that's not often checked in a conventional setting. Um, and we'll, if it's, if it's off, we'll try to identify why and address that. Um, and, it, you know, I think for nutrition in general, we're also always looking at what are, what are your superfoods, your specific superfoods and kryptonite foods. So, you know, if you can eat more of these things and less of these things based on your DNA and your labs, we're going to most likely move in the right direction. So that's our, a lot of the things that we look at when it comes to nutrition. You accept HSA and I don't remember the other one because I get, I have HSA. Yes. Yes. You <laughs> have <your> HSA. <laughs> um, how can people learn more? You can learn more by going to wildhealth.com. Um, that's our website. We have lots of information there. Um, FAQs with a lot of a lot of questions. You can also reach out to support at wildhealth.com if you have more questions. And for any of you listening, you can also use, if you decide to sign up and give it a shot, you can use the code um, CFWILD20. Uh, actually, let me just make sure that I have your code because it might be wild CF. Yes, it's wild CF. So scratch that first one. It's W-I-L-D-C-F-20. And that will give you a 20% discount if you decide to, to sign up with us. Cool. Love that. I will put that down That's below as well. I should mention, we have a podcast. So there's a wild health podcast um, and the Instagram. Um, so if you're interested in just learning more about precision medicine and and um, diving deep into that, that's a great place to start too. Very cool. Um, so now back on to some CrossFit stuff to finish up. <laughs> uh, I saw that you are going to Rogue. Well, <laughs> we spoke uh -oh. too soon. I had to, I, I was originally planning to go, but I'm not going to be able to go anymore. So I'm not going to be competing there this year. So <laughs> I'm sorry. You're, you're, no, you're no longer a legend? I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> well i can't go this year either so that's fine oh, well that's okay it's, i mean if you're not gonna be there what's the point of going right right, right. <laughs> but no um, it's such a, it is such an honor you know to be invited to something like that and i had such a blast last year and when i competed in 2019 so i was really honored to be invited again and um you know bummed not to be competing so this next topic i probably care about it more than you do but there was a person, uh, Brian Friend, who put out the top 30 greatest female CrossFit athletes of all time. Okay. You, you made the list. You made the top 30. That's amazing. Wow. I didn't know that. Um, I argued that you should be higher. <laughs> Thank you for uh, fighting for me. Though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and I don't even remember the exact number, but the people you were behind and I think it's because you had such a short career. Mm, yes. And it was early, you know, it was short. Yeah. But your worst finish was fourth. <laughs> Fifth. Like, come Fifth. on. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, there's not many people that have that resume. Now that you've gone through what you've gone through, can you look back at your career and view yourself as one of the greats of the sport? Um, yes, I can. I know that, that during that time, I was always among that top tier of athletes and competing. And I think, you know, the, the thing that I truly believe, the thing that held me back from, from winning the CrossFit Games was my mental game. And I got stronger every year in that area. And I think in 2015, I know I was stronger mentally and physically than I ever had been. And so, you know, I was bummed not to be able to go to the games that year after tearing my Achilles, but 
for me, it's all about the journey. It's all about the wins along the way and the ways that I did get mentally stronger through each of those experiences. Like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, you know, each of those experiences were learning and growth experiences for me and, and made me mentally stronger in ways that I carry forward in my life now. So you podium twice. Mm -hmm. Do you have those medals anywhere on display? Not on display. I think they're in a box downstairs. <laughs> But I should put them on display somewhere. Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> so we talked to Anna Tobias uh, mm -hmm. yesterday, two days ago, and she has an Olympic gold medal and uh, she won two master's level. That's amazing. Games, right? And we asked her where her medals were and they're in a drawer in a bag. <laughs> and so Amy asked her, do you, are you more about the process than the product? And yeah. she was like, oh, heck no. Like when I don't win, I'm very, very upset. <laughs> it's just, she doesn't display the medals. Doesn't display the medals. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not like a big display person. I think that's maybe, maybe I, part of my growth and overcoming that. But, um, you know, I think when I think about it, I have, I do have my initial reaction is like, oh, I don't want to be like, you know, Hey, look at all my medals. <laughs> Anytime someone right. comes into my house, but maybe that's also part of my growth in that reaction of being proud again, of being proud of my accomplishments and, and giving God all the glory and, um, and not minimizing them. So maybe you've inspired me today, Scott, to hang my medals up on the wall. Have you thought about it from another person's perspective of coming into your home and getting the joy of seeing what you accomplished? Mm. You know, yeah. like I know her and look at that. <laughs> it's true. There's so much wrapped up in it though, because there's also this part of me that um, I think I've struggled a lot when I, when I was in the height of my, my games career. And, and then people, you know, when people first meet me or first hear about, oh, she's, you know, she's competed in the CrossFit games or done well. Um, you know, there's this part of you that, that, just wants to be seen and appreciated for who you are and not for your accomplishments. And, and while it's incredible and it, I think has opened a lot of doors, there's always in many situations have been that voice in the back of my head. Like, are they just interested in talking to me because I did well at the CrossFit games or is it because they really enjoy talking to me? Um, but at the same time, that's also a big part of, that's a big part of my life and my story and, and who I am. So interesting to contemplate. That, that opens up so many questions <laughs> because, because you, you, you talk about, and I don't want to get deep into it, but you talk about surrounding yourself with the right people. Mm -hmm. And now you're around the right people that love you for you. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if eventually you won't see it as, are they talking to me because of these medals or are they talking to me because of me? that that's part of the journey too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it is. And, and I think, um, I think that's part of the discernment of, you know, who is one for me, there's, I think there's two things. There's one of not relying on that. So one thing I've done this year that has been really incredible um, is I've pushed myself to, I just want to, I want to be able to meet and talk to more people and different people. And so I've pushed myself to start random conversations. So there was one week where I was in New York that I think I started 30 random conversations and a lot of them were super awkward. Um, like on the subway, just start randomly talking to people. But, um, but I've learned so much through it and gained a lot more confidence in myself. And I've met some really interesting people through it. Um, but there's part of me that also like in those situations, I don't want to rely on, oh, I'm Julie, the CrossFit athlete, or I'm Julie, the doctor. Like, I just want to be able to have a conversation with someone and get to know them and, and, you know, appreciate the things about them and show interest without any, you know, background or identity on who I am. Um, so that's one thing is like, I, I know I don't want to rely on that in my interactions with people, but two, um, is that I think it's part of the discernment of who are the people that I let into my inner circle and is it, are they genuine? Do they genuinely care about me, Julie, as a, as a human, or do they care more about those other things? And so that's part of what I, I think, I think about more now when I, um, 
as I sort of let, let people in, in that inner circle. Although I'm not, I've never really, I don't normally leave people out in terms of like, I'm, I'm generally very forthcoming about myself, but it's, it's more, I think the time and energy and attention that you pour into people and, and who those people are going to be. Well, one, I don't think you should wear your medals on the subway in New York. You probably <laughs> won't have them long. And two, I understand completely. Um, it's all a journey. And I, I, when you talk, I just get very curious about things. And um, that's why I love having you on the show. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I love being able to have, you know, I've, I've never been on another podcast where I've been able to have such real conversations um, as I do with you, Scott. And I think a lot of that is because of, you know, the similarities in our paths and our stories and, and just that you're willing to go there and ask the questions. And so these are the kind of conversations that I love. They make me think and make me, you know, reflect a lot more. Well, thank you. Well, thank you so much for jumping on, Julie. Um, I hope our paths cross maybe Wadapalooza. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. No. <laughs> I plan, uh, I'm, I'm very much in the last minute planning mode these days. I don't usually plan more than a month or two in advance. <laughs> but hopefully, Wadapalooza has become the event that I will not miss. It is because yes. it's like it's, a lot of fun. it's like CrossFit family reunion. It is. Well, I feel like that and about I feel like that about the games. Um, but Wadapalooza last year was the first time I went to Wadapalooza, and it felt like that for sure. It was a lot of fun. Well, you've lived up in this area of the country. Miami in January yeah. is really, really nice. Yeah, it's a great place to be. That's true. All right. Well, we'll let you go, Julie. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much for joining Clydesdale Media for today's episode. If you liked what you hear, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, and make sure you hit the notifier so you're the first to know when new episodes are out. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time with Clydesdale Media.